Hello, welcome to Digital Nomad Ventures, the podcast for aspiring and experienced digital nomads teaching how to travel the world on a budget. Thanks for joining us. Hello, my name is Mike Hope. Welcome to another episode of Digital Nomad Ventures. I'm sitting here right now with Jenna Hasso. She's the founder of Love ATX and Yoga Por Vida. After university, she joined the professional world as a mechanical engineer in 2007. She quickly became depressed and bewildered. A year later, she discovered yoga and the struggling economy led to her unemployment. This unexpected freedom gave her the opportunity to deepen her practice and expand understanding of herself and the world. After some explorations around the world, she began to study yoga, meditation, subtle body healing, and the unmatched power of the mind. Right now, she teaches mindfulness and supports the transformation of her life, business, and community. Since 2011, she's organized dozens of transformational events and retreats, facilitating workshops, teaching yoga, energy healing, guiding meditation, and developing self-healing tools. So without further ado, here is Jenna. Welcome, Jenna, to the podcast. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So, um... Tell me more about what what got you into yoga and and obviously so you studied mechanical engineering at University of Texas and then decided that wasn't the right career path for you. Yeah. So tell me more yeah, about so, what transpired that. Um so yeah, I I started university in two thousand two and um I did mechanical engineering because I always had a an affinity for math and science and was really good at those things and really good at figuring things out and so I was inspired to be an engineer to be an innovator in the world um, I was always passionate about making a difference um, but when I became an engineer the reality of it was in my experiences and in my internships and my actual job um, it did not feel like I was given permission to actually be innovative and I, be, I just grew really depressed with the reality of it considering that I had idealized what it would be like my whole life um, and so it was actually toward the end of my engineering um, job nearing the end I didn't know it was there the end but it was uh, a huge layoff toward the end of 2008 when a lot of companies were cutting back on their uh, size and uh, yeah so some of my friends were going to yoga and they were going to Bikram yoga actually and I had done like Pilates and a little bit of yoga in the past and I was really bored with it and thought it was really <laughs> lame and I was mm -hmm. a runner so they begged me to go and I said no I'm just gonna go run and I'll see you when you get back but then when they you just say run what do you mean go for a run ah. like three mile like mm -hmm. I usually run three miles I would run three miles pretty regularly um so but they, they they didn't give up and they like convinced me to go and so after doing one class at a Bikram studio I was really hooked because it was very challenging and I actually really don't like Bikram at all uh anymore and I don't really agree with the way that that practice flows uh but at the time, it was exactly what I needed. The intensity of it was the only way I probably would have been converted to yoga. So I'm glad that Bikram exists because I was like in a mentality that that was the only type of yoga I would have enjoyed at the time. So a lot of our listeners may not 
know much about the different types of yoga. What's oh, the difference yeah. between so Bikram, Bikram, Bikram yoga is in hundred and it's like hundred and three degrees or uh, hot sweaty yoga. Yeah, it's super hot, and mm-hmm. then it's it's a series of I think thirty two postures that it's the same series every single time, ninety minutes. And even the script is like word for word practically. So hmm. it's just a super strict practice. Very regimented. Very regimented. And so after like continuing to practice that, I was just really curious about what else there was to explore in yoga because I just had a feeling that there was more. So from there, I went to another hot yoga studio that just had like more options more like variety of classes and I really started to expand my like my experience and knowledge Mm -hmm. of yoga and and then when was this that was so that was in 2000 like okay I practiced still in 2009 but it wasn't until 2010 that I really got deeper into the practice like I was mm-hmm, going to yoga mm-hmm. every day so basically that was like the only thing that I that was uh consistent in my life at that time because I was still uh without a job and I was like seeking a new path and so the only more clarity th- yeah right. so like the only thing that was clear to me was I'm going to yoga <laughs> and uh and then I noticed that with my dedicated practice, I started to receive really clear guidance during my Shavasana. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to just like really appreciate the yeah. value of the practice. Yeah. So I think one of the difficult things about for me personally of being an entrepreneur is I don't have this consistent routine, you know, going to work every day from nine to five, which is both a blessing and a curse. So yeah, now really I've just hard. recently started running Favor. So it's essentially like Uber where you're an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. But since I don't have a car, I'm, I figure I might as well get paid to exercise. Yeah. So I get to ride around and listen to music and just deliver food to people. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, it's not the best hours. money, but it's very convenient and flexible. You get to pick your hours too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, that's still challenging to have that much freedom and p- choosing your For hours. sure. And I sent my resume to someone at their corporate office, so hopefully I'll get in over there. But in the meantime, this is what I'm doing, and um, one of the reasons I started this podcast and one of the reasons I want to interview you is because we've traveled a lot together in Peru, you know, Sedona, all over Big the Bend. country. Big Ben multiple times. That was quite yeah, an experience. Yeah, we've done... We've, so we did, we've known each other seven yeah. years, mm-hmm. and um, I just wanted to learn more about, like, what, what do you have to say to, to, my, to the audience? Um, about, like digital nomads and yeah. just, like, the travel life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all I the rage these days. Yeah, so, <laughs> well, um, it depends where people are on the spectrum. Some people haven't really taken the leap, and some mm-hmm. people are fully immersed in it. Yeah. So I think it's different for everyone. Um, I want to speak more towards first to the people who haven't taken the leap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I lead adventures in Peru every year. And in 2020, I'm offering two. And then I'm all, as the years go on, I'll be adding more like Nepal and India. So um, I really like creating easy avenues for people to choose travel. Um, 
and so that's what I do but for other people they might just like want to choose their own path and go on their own adventure and it's actually going to be the cheapest way to experience it Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. to so it takes a lot of courage and a lot of trust um but one of the things I learned on my very first ever adventure on my own was to Australia in uh, 2009 so that was after I was laid off and then I, I went and traveled Australia and what I realized like after you know several weeks of travel was that no matter what even when things got really crazy um, it always worked out uh-huh. and so I, I started to notice the trend of like the balance of winning sometimes and losing sometimes or you know whatever just um, that's a delicate like, balance saving money here and then wasting money here but like overall there was always a balance and whatever I needed was like I was able to manifest it was only like just oh I have a thought like oh this is the thing I want to do or this is like I need to meet someone for this thing or whatever and then it would happen so I would say actually like it was it was during travel that I for the first time started to experience like uh manifestation and being in the flow synchronicity Yeah, Like you would find the people that you needed to connect with in a specific moment. Yeah, being in the flow. Almost magically. But a lot of people have certain ideas about how travel goes. Like people want to plan things and they want to book everything ahead of time. And I will tell you that especially like if you're not sure about if you have a smaller budget, like you everything you need is will align and you'll find a place to stay like you'll uh-huh. you'll get a ride you'll find the, the place you're going to you'll find a place to stay like everything Hostels will work are so out. cheap you can meet people from all over the world yeah like you really don't need a lot of money but if transportation's you have, nothing if, you know also the other thing about traveling with a bunch of plans it, and also spending a lot of money on nice places is that it becomes really detached from the 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 actual culture of the mm-hmm. place itself and that also detaches you from the people the yeah and so to me it's I'm, lonely that's the if you're other staying part in a luxury it. hotel by yourself then it's like what's the point i don't yeah. have anyone to share my my experiences with yeah, and that's like where the best that's where all the good goodness is. So then that mm-hmm. would be the part that I would say to the people who are traveling around the world is to to just consider ways to be more integrated and respectful with the local cultures and becoming more like supportive of their ways versus For sure. versus um, you know, creating uh just basically like smashing their culture with ignorant um you know, ignorant comforts. Um, so yeah, I would, I just, so that's what I feel, uh, passionate about in the trip I do to Peru is just really creating opportunities to be with the people and shift the relationships from like tourist, you know, like some tourists treat, uh, native local people like they're zoo animals and that's not right it's not um and so it's like really honoring uh approaching them with such reverence sure the tour so i did the salkante trek in peru which is a five-day hike to machu picchu and it was just absolutely incredible i was taking photos all the time but one of the things i noticed is that they the people that they hired to carry everyone's stuff they're almost just like pack mules Mm. so they didn't really treat them right sherpas essentially yeah. Kind of like a 
similar to Mount Everest. They don't treat them right. And They're it's like hates. one of the only things that they can do in that to make money in that area. But a lot of times they'll die. There'll be like a huge avalanche and they'll die. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was one thing I noticed. And they're constantly like running way ahead of us on the trail, carrying everyone's stuff. So they can but, stop and put it down. So they can stop and then set up campsite way before we get there. And it's it just didn't seem right. But um, I had for it. I had a hiking one hiking bag, so that's all I was carrying the entire time over a year in South America, taking buses everywhere. It's very cheap. Oh yeah, it's so easy to get great around when you can also yeah just fit everything into one bag. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the best. With it's, my camera equipment, my clothes. It really it's makes really life easy. Yeah, when people are traveling with like big rolling suitcases and um, a bunch of stuff, like it really slows you down. So definitely being on the go and sure. just being able to be minimal and know what you need and don't need and what you can get elsewhere. Oh, here's yeah, here's a story too. So um, I'll keep talking to you in a minute, but so. <laughs> So, yeah, that's my new hiking bag I had to upgrade. But I took, I was rushing to the airport in Buenos Aires, and I had to throw away half of my clothes. <laughs> because too heavy? Because they wouldn't let me put the, the luggage on the plane unless I paid $150. And at this, in this moment, I had no debit card, no way to pay for anything because it was lost in an ATM machine. So that was one of the reasons I decided smaller. Yeah, I just had to get rid of everything. So I had to think really fast on my feet because I was about to miss my plane. And so I just trashed most of my clothes. I'm like, I don't need these. And of course, I kept my camera, which was in pieces because it broke. And anyway, long story. There's so many challenges you, you face along the way. But of course, all those things can be replaced. Truth. So your life is more important than any of the possessions. Yeah, and a lot of places we travel in developing countries have such an abundance of amazing food. Mm-hmm. Fresh, amazing food. What's your favorite dish in Peru? Uh, Do you have one? Lomo saltado. The papa rellena. Hmm. Yeah. And quinoa I don't know if I've soup. ever had that one. Ceviche. Quinoa soup. Oh, quinoa soup's good. Oh, the ceviche there is really good, definitely. Oh, the the leche de tigre, which is oh, like yeah. the um, it's like ceviche but with like coconut milk. Mm-hmm. That stuff's really good, definitely. And you still haven't seen most of. I mean, you mostly go to Peru for the retreats, mm-hmm. but there's so many other countries that you've not seen. Yeah. Like Ecuador is a beautiful country. I'm probably gonna, Chile. I have a friend in. Colombia, and I would like to check that out and then potentially do some trips to Colombia. Mm-hmm. But I usually feel Columbia like I should go check nice. it out myself first before yeah. organizing a trip to a place with other people so mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. really map it out. For sure. Yeah. Colombia wasn't my favorite. Yeah. I only spent about two weeks there. But yeah. So tell me more about like what what are some of the transformational things you're doing Actually, in this community i had a thought that i didn't get to say yet okay, so i want to go, go back to like the story you were talking about the sherpas mm-hmm. and just these uh the people the that are 
generally like a lot of impoverished impoverished people in these developing countries like Peru, uh, all of you know d- many areas of South America and Central America, um, and so what I'm seeing is like where people are traveling to. Um, there's a lot of capitalizing, so you have like you know uh, developed world people like traveling to these undeveloped places and then seeing dollar signs in their eyes and they're like oh I'm gonna build a retreat center here or I'm gonna like you know start a business and I'm gonna source everything from here and pay these people you know pennies and make millions of dollars um so anyway I just I see a lot of capitalizing on 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 those who don't know any better and I I just want to like bring that up and say that that's really fucked up <laughs> <laughs> yeah can i for, say that can uh, I say of course that, that won't so, bleep it out um yeah so i just want to put that out there since this is also a digital ventures thing you know it's like whatever you're doing i hope you're doing a great job um if you're making good money somewhere with the help of the local people they really deserve to to get as much as as they're doing as they're contributing mm-hmm. um, pay your fair share yeah, so this came up for me when I was doing doing something in Guatemala, and not to bring, I'm not bringing up any names, but a friend of mine there who, um, who you know about. has a place on the top of a mountain, <laughs> has no conscience around asking a 20 year old woman to carry loads of crap up the mountain to his temple mm, because the golden she, temple because according to his perspective. Um, she's going to be happy because she's going to get paid and she's going to get paid you know very little for doing that below minimum wage and so to me that is not okay Uh if you're going to and especially if you're going to give a job like that to a young woman at the very least um pay her more but yeah especially if you have the money yeah but even then i was like no do not ask this you know young woman (laughs) to do this laborious task like so, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that that mentality that, like, we'll just We're pay so them. We're so privileged, right? We whatever. hot. Yeah, like, if, if it's like, like, oh, well, to them, it's it's like, that's a day's worth of work. Like, and they're happy to receive it. It's like, well, screw that. Like, what is a day's worth of work to you from America? And, like, the amount uh-huh, of money you're uh-huh. making. Like, that's how much money we should be passing off to them. Like, whatever we're doing to capitalize on their space and their land, we should be giving it back. So You're exactly right. So what are some ideas you have to to change that narrative? Well, just exactly like what I was saying, whenever you're creating opportunities for yourself on other people's land, create opportunities for them too. Don't take advantage and say, "Well, they'll be happy. Let me pay them as little as they'll be willing to take." Uh-huh. But pay them like you would pay them if you were in America. I mean, you're already saving so much money like building a business of course, it's there. Guatemala. So like how greedy do you have to be? Can you share some of that and help the local economy and the local people, you know, to benefit? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want to see is more empowering uh native native people like the ones who are working day in and day out and doing that. You know, basically, in many ways, they're trapped um, because they don't have opportunities. So then you have white America coming in and creating opportunities, but then hoarding it all to themselves. So it's like, come on. Uh-huh, it just makes uh-huh. so much sense. Like, sure. just help help that. Like, work together. Be a good person, basically, is what you're saying. It, it seems to be pretty straightforward, that- but... Mm. Well, I had a I had an experience when in Lima, Peru, 
where this taxi drove up to me and this woman reached out wearing a gold watch and she's like I need I need change for insoles for dollars so I gave her I ended up giving her about $60 worth of soles what? just yeah I know it's it's stupid in hindsight but at the time I believed her and no I, I think I gave her dollars and she gave or something like that and then I tried I went to a Starbucks to try to spend the money she gave me and she's like we can't accept these counterfeit so, then I had this oh, fake money. Oh, she didn't money. sell you a golden watch, though? No, no. Okay. She's just like, I need change for dollars and soles. So, I was stupid oh, enough to no. give her the money. And then, anyway, eventually I was able to put it back into the system. I spent it other places. <gasps> <laughs> but I had, well, I had to get rid of it. You put it into, into like, the street market yeah, I paid or something? Yeah, I paid for food and, like, oh, different wow. parts of Peru. But, yeah, I mean, I didn't have a lot of money when I was traveling. I was broke yeah. most of the time. And, like, a lot of time, occasionally I'd be completely out of money. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'd get, like, another $200 from Airbnb. Boom, in my bank account, just like that. Boom. So that's what I was doing, basically, to sustain myself for 10 months. Yeah. Passive income. Passive income. Referring hosts. Good stuff. And, uh... So let's change topics a little bit. You were talking about organizing, possibly organizing a retreat in Nepal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm planning on going to Indonesia early next year and maybe backpacking through Southeast Asia for six months or so. And there's a com oh There's a sorry, let's keep going. There's a company called Traverse Journeys. And they're based here in Austin. And Correct. the founder has reached out to me about possibly getting involved in Nepal. So it might cool. be someone you'd, you'd want to team up with. They already have tours like all over South America, Kilimanjaro, lots of different Yeah, places. I definitely want to team up. Um, mm-hmm. I've been doing all of my things uh, solo. Well, no, I shouldn't say all of them. I've been doing Peru solo. Um, and actually my Nepal journey was going to be through, uh, Woven Earth or like with a friend, Brandon, um, Mm -hmm. who has Woven Earth, a nonprofit out of Nepal. So we were offering that one last year and we had to cancel because we didn't really, neither of us, we didn't do a very good job of getting the word out on it. Sure. Um, but it definitely helps to collaborate. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about this. Yeah, that like potentially because of the experience I've built through my own, that I could be a good fit to just like be a a guide slash lead facilitator, organizer, whatever. um, Sure. To to fit in those roles, but I don't know if any of these places actually need that. Like I don't know if they need someone to. You could reach out to lead them for them. I'll make an introduction. Either you'd be a guide or. Something. Also, uh, a, the nice thing about this is that they're already selling out. They do all the yeah, marketing for you. That's really ideal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm thinking about getting involved with them maybe next year. But yeah. Why not this Just, year? Oh, you well, mean like in 2020 with your Yeah, I would need travel? to save up money first because I'd get like half off in exchange for photos, something half like that. Wow. Maybe more. But Hopefully more. need to have that conversation with her. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... People, planet, purpose, it says. 
That's their slogan. Anyway. So yeah, the Nepal is a beautiful place to visit. Um, The Mm -hmm. mountains are amazing. And it's just really peaceful there. It's in some ways it's similar to Peru, but I found it to be cleaner in general. Um, Have you ever been to Nepal? I I honestly feel like yeah. some of it is the yeah. the the struggle and the pain of of oppression that Peru had has to over has had to overcome. Uh, Nepal has been somewhat like not as af- affected in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also I'm looking at India because I have um, experience there as well, and then I really like the communities I connected with around organic farming and would like to incorporate that into the adventure. But for also for Nepal, what I'm what I was called to, what I'm drawn to doing there is uh relates with working in the earth with the people in, in local communities as as we're trekking through the mountains. So I tend to prefer to to do things that are more involved with local people. Uh, versus like your typical retreats or whatever that you know I'm not sure what the other one does sure yeah I'm not either but um yeah so one of the things I liked about your retreats in Peru is that we're everything's organized ahead of time we have places to stay either hotels or hostels all the tours are taken care of and then for me personally I don't like planning um I'm very spontaneous so I usually just go to a place, I'll book the tour through the hostel and, or do it myself. And so it's nice to have that yeah. all taken care it's of. It's plug and play, yeah. It's mm. very Plug and very play, easy. good word. There's that, and then, you know, there's, of course, like, I feel like Marita, the woman who I work with, she's just really awesome. So I feel like she's almost, you know, she's like a priceless uh, gift. and She's a very wise woman. As are you. Yeah, and, and I feel that I I need to value it more than I am, actually. I've, I've kept it uh, very affordable, and um, I feel like You need like to know your I worth. Feel like, know your worth. Yeah, Don't like just I break even. You need change to that. make a profit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because it's, it's a quite beautiful, valuable experience. I see others uh, charging almost twice as much as me for shorter shorter experiences, and I'm just, like, really sure that... Their guides don't compare to Marita. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just sure. And you're you're saying you're considering doing the salt, incorporating the Salkante trek, or maybe an Inca trail. So next in June time. of 2020, I'm planning on doing two tours, and one of them will be include the Salkante. So actually, I'm planning on just doing the typical one, and that's what I'm gonna sign people up for. Uh-huh. But the following week is my birthday, so then I wanted to on the following week do a four or five day trek to Machu Picchu that would like arrive on my birthday or around my birthday and that one I just wanted to invite friends like uh-huh. whoever wants to because I've never actually done the wow it's the trek it's a pretty brutal and hike I've been to Machu Picchu at... seven times sure. I've never done the wow. trek so it's like <laughs> I just need to do it now is the and time my birthday seems like a fun time to do that but it would be cool if some close friends actually sign up to do it with me uh-huh. so. so the tour company that i went with is called apu peru 
And oh, so yeah, Apu. they Apu. did it. Apu. 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 However Apu you say means it. mountain. Okay. Apu. Okay, good. Um, so they did an incredible job. And you camp in different spots every night. Do you remember how it's, much it was? For me, I got uh, over 80% discount because I was an official oh. photographer. So <laughs> I think for me, I only pay like 250 But normally, it's about 2000 no, that's for the Inca Trail. The Salkante is cheaper. <laughs> what? Salkante uh-huh. is cheaper. The Inca Trail is really expensive, but hey, you could be right though, because honestly, I haven't looked at the prices for like f- five years, mm-hmm. and it could have gone up. Which well, wow, I'm sure it varies all the time, but yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, depends how much comfort you're paying for as well. Mm-hmm. These are luxury <laughs> hotels we're talking about. You're camp, you're roughing it the whole time, camping in tents. Yeah, but foods included yeah. yeah so what advice would you have for digital nomads that are looking to te- take that next leap either buy a one-way plane ticket somewhere or just basically either quit their job take off and go there's always a <laughs> well i think you just have a to really get fear yeah no i think that. there's like what happens is you get an idea about where you want to go and then you just you just give energy and attention to that idea mm-hmm. and and it starts to unfold it starts to manifest like things just start to happen that start to align toward it the um, money starts flowing in and <laughs> well it's just like you, you open your, your like for example let's just say i don't know actually some of my experiences are hard to hard to I don't know use as examples but like for for the first time I went to Peru uh the invitation came within uh, a couple of weeks of me saying the next time I travel I'm going to South America mm-hmm. and then awesome boom, I get a message in my inbox saying uh, inviting me to to Peru and immediately I was like yes because Sign me so, up. So, but yeah, it's interesting. Like once you commit, this gets more into like a, I don't know, like meta, a metaphysical, like spiritual perspective about it. But like once you commit in your mind, like when you're really determined, yeah, things just start to happen, and uh, you start to see how it's aligning for you instead of how it's not. But uh-huh. if but if you're still holding on any doubt or like you know, negativity, um, it's not going to flow. And that, that actually, if you hold on to that negativity and, and fear and all that, that's not going to serve you even when you're traveling. It's like that flow I was talking about earlier, that happens when you stay more like in trust. You stay in trust yeah. and things align for you. They work out because you're open to it. Um, but if you're not, you just you manifest the opposite. Sure. You just get like obstacles and blocks and Comf- bad things happen. Fear of leaving your comfort zone. That's something I'm dealing with right now. And I also sort of burnt out from travel. So I was traveling for a year and a half. It was a long time. I left my girlfriend behind in Buenos Aires. We went through so many things together. And it's just very challenging in many ways. So Yeah, that's I, another good point, too. It's mm-hmm. hard when you're traveling a lot. You do have to think about, like, just check in with yourself and say, like, okay, how am I really doing? Because... Sure. You know, everyone's different. We've all been conditioned differently, but for the most part, like most of us need to be able to be still and ground for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you need at to recuperate point. for a while and just find your roots. 
Yeah. And so Austin's my home base, and it will be for probably many years, depending yeah, on what too. happens with. It's always a good home base to come yeah. back to, but everywhere you you know you just go and then you come back. You come back mm-hmm. to the home tree. For sure. Yeah, um, but it is like <laughs> that right now. The with the digital nomadic culture that's growing, and then also just like the hustle culture that we live in nowadays. Um, hustle, there's hustle, almost hustle, like hustle. a like an ex- really like strong acceptance or pressure to just be like go 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 all the time nonstop go 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 and it's I don't think that's really good for anyone Mm-mm. so um it's like really good to find your anchor points and and sometimes that can just be in family or certain communities Maybe if you're constantly can... hustling you're gonna burn out eventually it's just inevitable yeah, so you need to find stillness and and just relax. But some people can and do it. Find peace, inner peace. While traveling, if they just yeah, if they just take time to be still and like actually just have conversations with people, mm-hmm. talk to new people, like you know, I don't know, call their parents or something. <laughs> yeah, there's like ways. Sure. It's just uh, otherwise you just find yourself not just calling your parents to ask for money. Space. You actually really want to talk to them. <laughs> Uh, good advice. <laughs> Otherwise, advice. you find yourself just kind of floating through space at some point, and and you're like, "Who am I?" Just caught up. You're just caught up in the motions all the time, and you're sleepwalking. It feels like you're sleepwalking through life. Yeah. Well, Sometimes I don't think can sleepwalking, but I feel like you can be going through some really profound changes but you're not giving yourself time to integrate them. Mm-hmm. So then you just end up like really fragmented as as like in your mind. And, you know, you could be having these like huge experiences that are giving you really great ideas, but then you just keep on going until until you, you like sure. forgot about the ideas and, and you just get used to being with constantly like new exciting experiences, uh-huh. but it never like gr- builds or forms to anything. It sure. Just, one of the things that I wish that I had done while in, you know, traveling in South America is to write down, write down all the stories, everything mm-hmm. that I see. Experiences. So yeah. mostly I was doing that through taking pictures, writing in my blog. Mm-hmm. But you keep a diary, which is something that I admire. Well, uh, it's a journal. Well, what, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's a, a record of your experiences. Yeah. So is that something that you do, like, on a daily basis? It's It's... It comes and goes, but yes. So, this is my smooth rock. It helps. Okay. Me. Um. So yeah, I have my notebook. It's a right special here. luck charm. Well, no, it just feels good in between my thumb and my fingers. But, um, I'm talking about this rock I'm holding in my hand. So yeah, I have. Keep rubbing on your lips. This. Well, it's 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 smooth. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah, so I always have a notebook, always, always. Um, I don't always write in it, but I always have one, and I intend to. So I try to as much as I can. Um, sometimes I just write, record, like, things that have happened. Other times it's a venting place. It's, like, my greatest form of therapy. And then other times it's, like, a creative, poetic space for, like, affirmations and uh, poetry and things like that. Mantras. Nice. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've actually cool. been transcribing. Uh, I have so many notebooks from over the years, and I'm transcribing them. 
and uh, I'm working on like a book uh, to publish and some videos to share the spoken awesome. word. Yeah. I thought you should do that for a long time. Yeah, I have a lot of. Do you have an idea like what the book is going to be about? No, it's uh, uh, well, the book I'm talking about right now is just a compilation of writings uh-huh. of like poetic writing. So, um, cool, so it's like a poetry book in a way. Yeah. So, when you're traveling, do you typically do you usually carry a camera with you, or is uh, somebody taking pictures for you most of the time? Uh, <laughs> no, I've had both. Um, as of last year, I I bought my own camera, but oh my goodness, I need to figure out how to manage these things. Cause <laughs> I have a. Did camera. you break it within like a week? No, I didn't break it. Oh. Somebody else broke it. Oh, that bastard! But it got replaced. The piece that broke. But now I'm talking about managing the files, editing the uh, files, and mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. processing it is a whole other thing that you know. So I have like hordes of of files, videos, like amazing content and it's all just kind of stuck and backed up. So uh-huh. do you carry an external drive that's with kinda... you or use the put things on the cloud, Google Drive? Yeah, so I have an external drive and I use the cloud which I basically was forced into using the cloud because my laptop and my phone were both freezing up in terms of memory so then uh-huh. I decided to use the cloud because I literally had no other option. So maybe off off record we can talk more about that sure, because yeah, I absolutely. I need help. I don't understand well, how I works. So I just got Speaking of on technology, I just got a Chromebook, Lenovo Chromebook, and it's super portable. The battery lasts 12 hours. Um, it turns into a tablet. It's got a touch screen, so I can easily zoom in and edit photos. Uh, um, what, you edit photos on that thing? Yeah, I can edit photos on here with Photoshop or Lightroom, and it's super convenient. It doesn't have a lot of space. It's only 64 gigs, um, but there's no hard drive in here, so there's no moving parts. And it's great. There's no drive? No, there's no hard drive. It's memory. So, you know, if you drop it, it's not going to erase all your files. So you, you just always work off the external? Yeah. And it has and it's Google, too. So everything's like Google Drive is built into it. That's cool. It's pretty awesome. You can watch Netflix, whatever you want to do. Yeah. So And it's super lightweight. So it's perfect for travel. So who would you, can I ask you a question? Sure. Who would you say your ideal listener is? My ideal listener. To this. Digital nomads. People that love to travel. So specifically the podcast is on how to travel the world on a budget. Oh, okay. And like generate passive income. Yeah. So I'd like to talk to more people about the Airbnb thing and. Cool. Photographers, artists, yoga teachers. Well, in terms of traveling on a budget, I mean, when I first traveled, I had plenty of money um, that I had saved for my engineering job, but I was still very frugal because I didn't really know how long I was going to need it to stretch for, but thankfully, 
uh, the U.S. dollar was worth more than the Australian dollar at the time, so that was cool. <laughs> that mm-hmm. helped. Um, but staying at hostels and just, like I said, going with the flow, like, some places you can just meet local people and they'll invite you to their yeah. house. And they'll, like, want that's you to really stay common there in, as long as possible. Like, that's really common in it. Indonesia, too. They'll walk up to you if you look like a backpacker or sh- they go up to strangers and be like, hey, come stay with us. Yeah, so, so gracious, I think, generous. like, um, you know, it's crazy how some people could spend, like, thousands of dollars, and then so, uh, over the same time period, another person could spend only a few hundred dollars. Sure. Or, you know, because that is the dra- dramatic... You have to be conscious of different. what you're spending money on. Is this really yeah. worth it, or can I do without it? You know? Yeah, yeah, and it's, like, a lot of times it's not really worth it, but, you know, I guess it just depends who you are and how you feel for me personally like i'll never buy souvenirs no i don't get i don't really like buying clothes so that's just an added expense that i don't need Mm -hmm. um so i think like in the in a year and a half i spent fifteen thousand dollars roughly which is way below minimum wage if i was living here in austin there's no way i would be able to get by on that amount of money Mm mm-hmm yeah no you can get by with much less um Mm mm-hmm in most other places outside of the u.s i mean you come back here and then it's like oh you know gas in the car to get Uh to the grocery store then where i spend all this other money and buy a bunch of things in boxes where like if you're in mexico or guatemala or peru you're just like you don't need the car you're just walking to the market and you're Mm -hmm. buying it directly there and then you can even like have a meal that's all in the same place like everything you need is not walking distance i mean sure it's just a whole different world it teaches you minimalism like simplicity simplicity living together in yep. community yeah it's pretty awesome when you say you've traveled to a lot of third world countries just for partly for that reason yeah lower yeah, cost yeah. of goods and services and yeah but also because that's like the type of experience that it is versus I don't know it's like well I know what developed world is like mm-hmm. you know? I, I'm not trying to like go be like a restaurateur or like go to <laughs> fancy restaurants and like critique sure. who, how good their filet mignon is be or, an influencer or like some fancy like hotel yeah pool pool photos whatever I don't I'm like, where's the jungle and like, where's the big tree and like, where's the animals in nature and uh, the farms and, you know, the the people like, who aren't just, you know, hustling on the streets or whatever, but who are just like in their daily lives. Uh huh. And yeah. a lot of times, something else I notice is that the people are so happy everywhere, and and we're here here in Austin, we've got electric scooters, we've got. You can get a ride with an Uber in, in, in a minute. All the modern conveniences, and we're still bored and sad and depressed. It's like, we have everything. We have life so good. But well, in these actually, third world countries, they're hand like... hand in hand with what we were just talking about. Working in the fields, and they're still... Because they have community. They yeah, have community. Super they have, like, all the main... Yeah, all the main priorities basic needs are mm-hmm. taken care of sure and they have their their loving family kids and, yeah relationships people. it's like they can depend world. on not fake friends <laughs> yeah our world is friends. just like hustle and transactional and 
you know, <sighs> traveling like 10 to 30 miles to get to work and then, you know, doing whatever you have to do at work. and The corporate rat race. Taking the 10, 30 miles back home and, you know, it's uh-huh. just... Getting stuck ugh. in traffic every freaking day. No. I can't do it anymore. So I sold my car before I left, and I just haven't gotten a new one. So I ride God my bike everywhere. I bought it from you. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? That car went through a lot. It did. Penelope. That car went... Poor Penelope. I really ran her through the race the paces. <laughs> <laughs> and then the engine, I completely ruined the engine when I was going to visit my parents in Dallas. So all the smoke, like the oil was going straight out the tailpipe. Yeah. It looked like... So I sold it for five hundred bucks. Oh, okay. Well, which is nothing. No, Better, that's nothing. But very little. You were like, just, you paid someone to take it away. I sold it online on like this website, <laughs> and then I bought a one-way ticket to Panama City, and I left with about five hundred dollars in my bank account. <laughs> and I had very didn't know what I was gonna do, but I Good. made it work. You made it work. Yep. You just keep throwing yourself to the wind and it carries you. For sure. Persistence and is the key to success. Yeah. So, what? tell me the meaning, the importance of this stone that you... I mean, it... Does it have sentimental value? No. It's smooth and... Pretty. Um, I honestly couldn't even tell you where it came from in this moment i just had it in my car you're a collector and of i items. found it Shiny yeah items. i like stones and um especially if i find a way that they fit into my hand very easily nicely to rub on it's just i don't know i was connecting with it today so there's nothing before but speaking of sentimental i mean i am a cancer so like i i pretty much create sentiment you have cancer sorry you are cancer. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> um, so, yeah, anyway. So, Cancerians, like, have assign a sentimental value to pretty much everything. Like, everything. Like, every blade of grass. So. Really? Um, it now has sentimental value because I'm holding it today. <laughs> but in relation to that, like... Um, being a traveler has helped to become less attached to things and mm-hmm. I think that's a good practice it's been good therapy for my um, tendencies my ways of like being attached to things and having so much sentimental value in so many things awesome yeah something else I want to talk to you about we we were having this conversation recently um, you know I would say that you're more of a digital minimalist so you don't really rely on technology, your phone, um, texting, Facebook. Those things are just like out of sight, out of mind most of the time, it seems like. Yeah, so I try. So what advice do you have for people that are traveling? And let's say you're, you're on a beautiful beach somewhere in the Philippines and you're still f- screwing around on your phone and you're not really appreciating where you are in the moment. Because you're too distracted by all the texts and messages and bings and bongs all the time. Well, hopefully not bongs. <laughs> <laughs> bings. You know, we get I this mean, dopamine just... hit every time our phone goes off. Yeah. So we're constantly addicted 
Yeah. Growing so attached. No, yeah, I don't know, because actually I feel like when I'm out and about, uh, I'm just not really paying attention to my phone. Mm -hmm. But I use it to take photos and videos. Um, But I also, like, feel that moment, you know? Like, I don't go somewhere and then I'm like, oh, let me get the photo and the video, like, before I do anything else, you know? It's like, just kind of be there first and, and soak it in and settle in and then... Yeah, I mean, honestly, sometimes places that I forget to take photos or I have tons of photos and I just never share them. But who cares? Like, Yeah, those are your personal... When it works out, it works out. Like, this last trip I did in Peru, the entire trip, I didn't... I, I tried to post one single time and it didn't work. And so I ended up with no posts at all ever like and who cares and who cares yeah people will survive they know you're still alive if i wanted to make that post i would have had to just like it would have taken (laughs) so much time and energy Uh, it was like i am not gonna give my time like yeah i was like i'm tired you know we just came back from the lake Uh we're going out to dinner like i'm not gonna sit here and be obsessed about this post right now sure um i can do it later or not like yeah. We've so now we've actually become the commodity. Facebook is constantly advertising to us. They're getting us data. Our data is more valuable than oil nowadays. Mm. So you don't want to be a part of that system. Well, at least I just yeah I get to make my own rules mm-hmm. and that's it. And so sure, do your own thing. Yeah, I'm so annoyed by all the ads on Facebook nowadays and everyone trying to teach everyone how to, you know, master this and master that. Oh, God, I can't stand it. All these coaching programs. Yeah. Pay me $10,000 and I'll really show you how to make 15 It's so it's like, annoying. Yeah, it's I know. It's annoying. Can't and stand I don't it. want to be that. Um, One of my friends on Facebook, he's constantly posing in front of him like he has a McLaren. So he's always posting pictures of that car and his beautiful wife and all this stuff. It's like, I don't care. So what? You're successful. But look, you have this big mansion. You're completely alone inside of it. Yeah, so there's it's like, a social what's the point? media trap. You don't have any friends. The falsehood. Fake friends. Mm-hmm. The image, which I know a lot about that. Yeah. Um, so just to change topics a little bit, get to something a little more happy and positive. Um, <laughs> so... We probably almost finished. Well, um, so what are some some daily morning rituals that you have? Because a lot of high performers, like people that are successful, have something they do every day when they wake up. Instead of reaching for their phone, checking emails and texts and everything. Right, right, you know, right. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> what are a few things? That's that, the worst. Um, I do it. So I'm guilty of it all the time. I, Every day. You know, not everyone can maybe like, not everyone would want to choose this, but um, I rarely wake up with an alarm. Mm. So I wake up when I'm ready to wake up and that works for me. Um, and then when I wake up, I'm very, I probably spend like 20 to 30 minutes just like stretching mm-hmm. gently breathing uh doing some twists in the bed like some bed yoga basically like some uh happy baby and 
sometimes I will do my meditation in bed because I find that um, if I get out of the bed and do anything else that I will lose track. Um, uh-huh. So it feels better to just do it before I even do anything. Sure. And then you're comfortable too. Yeah. Put on, do you put on headphones, listen to music? or No, it's just a silent Vipassana. Uh-huh. Just seated and awareness in the body. Um, so sometimes, though, my body has some things I need to work out of it. So sometimes the meditation becomes a little bit of a morning movement, um, which I, I don't judge as like, oh, well, you need to be still because um, I just trust that, you know, well, I just need to move and work some of this stuff out and then I'll be still after that. Um, uh-huh. So, and awesome. uh, yeah, and some breathing. Yeah. So some breathing to clear the, like a breath of fire type of, you know, breathing. That's one thing I don't focus on. Like, obviously it's automatic. You're breathing in and out all the time every day. But uh, I like keep my breath inside a lot of times. And I don't really like intentionally focus on breathing. Yeah. That's which can why cause we do stress. breathing practices. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the good thing about doing breathing exercise in the morning is that it helps to clear any stagnant energies. So my pattern and my challenge is that um, in the morning my mind gets going. And like for some reason, of course, that's like my mind is so clear. So it's like my mind is so clear about all the things I need to do and all the ideas are flowing in. And so it's really hard for me not to just like want to get on my, want to get to doing those things. Sure. You're a very creative I'm, person, right? So you obviously want to. Yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, but if I don't go moving. do this thing right now, I'm going to forget. Uh, I'm going to forget and uh, whatever. But at the same time, I, then I tell myself, no, slow down and breathe and be still and just let all these let things settle. And, um, but also, I love to have my tea in the morning, so that's really important to me. Kind of as tea it's do you part drink? of my like, I guess you could say I have like a routine with my diet as well, and so uh-huh. I really like I feel most balanced when I start my day with tea, uh, ginger, with lemon and honey or apple cider vinegar. Um, so that's my favorite. Nice. Sometimes Sounds very mate. healthy. Yeah, and then a smoothie, like, late morning. So that sets me up for... Then I can eat whatever else I, I want the rest of the day because I've already done healthy for myself. I always make the same <laughs> thing every day lately, and it's getting... I need to change it up a little bit. But I make two cups of coffee. Oh, no. And, well, a giant thing, and then I usually only drink, like, three-quarters of it and pour the rest out. And then I make eggs... And Frosted Flakes and a bagel. <laughs> yeah, you told Every me day. about that. Um, See, yeah, so, so... I, I basically don't really... I like how it feels to not really eat um, until the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels good to me. So that's nice. what I do. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, It's kind of a yogic, yogic path thing as sure. well. Is that Yogis part of the really uh, special diet? In the morning. Uh, I, I like wouldn't Ayurvedic not not exactly uh, wow. Ayurvedic there but there is actually a very uh, like a clear sort of diagram that shows the types of foods that you should eat at different times of the day based on 
what is believed to be the cycle that the body's going through. Um, I think it's kind of different for everyone, but there's like better times to eat, you okay. know, more heavily fats or greens or raw or cooked, just stuff like that. Different you have types to show me foods. that diagram because I have no idea. Ultimately, though, I think people just have to listen to their bodies. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just prefer the tea and then I have a smoothie. And like I said, whatever else happens after that. Awesome. Well, <laughs> thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been it's been great talking to you. Thank you, Mikey. And no problem. Uh, so, where can we find out some more information about you and and your retreats? Do you have a website, Instagram, all yes, that jazz? So, my name looks like Jenna Jasso, J E N N A J A S S O, yet it's pronounced Jenna Hasso, and so it's jennahasso.com and then my adventures are on yogaporvida.com and other community work I'm doing and events in Austin is loveatx.com Awesome! Yeah. you have Instagram? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook it and it's just my handle is my name so Hasso or Jasso, but it's Hasso. Jenna Hasso. Easy to remember. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Digital Nomad Ventures. I just sat down with Jenna Hasso. She's the founder of Love ATX and Yoga Por Vida. Um, and uh, she's also a mindfulness coach in Austin, Texas. Thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for another episode next week.